Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Give yourself 12, this is going to 12 to 20 workouts. So I can't say you're going to be back at it in two weeks or a month because mm-hmm. that makes no sense. If you come and work out once a week, like why would you be, yeah. you're still. Take you six months. Yes. 12 to 20 workouts to feel like you're totally back to full speed. Mm-hmm. So that could be, you know, um, six weeks, but it could be three weeks. It depends on how frequently you work out. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello, Ben. Patrick. How are you today? Good. Good. Um, today we're going to do something that we've done uh, in the past. It's been a little bit, but um, we're going to steal an episode that you did or that you guys did uh, for the CFNE way, which is a, a podcast, sort of an internal podcast that you um, or that CFNE does, right? Yep. It's usually um, the subject, gym. Yeah, the gym. Yep. yep. Subject matters, uh, subjects uh, vary, um, but usually uh, the episodes consist of you and uh, one of your uh, coaches over there, Dan, sitting down and talking about um, an issue that... Uh, you guys are coming up against uh, inside the gym or something worth talking about, something to, that you want to get out in front of your members. Yeah, it's a way for us to um, get, get our um, methodology, yeah. our knowledge base, our way out to all of our members. So it's just another way for us to communicate throughout the, the community. Yeah, cool. Um, so the episode that we're going to steal was actually a few months ago. Um, the subject matter was on how to talk, or you guys were talking to your members about how to deal with uh, and work around various injuries, nicks, uh, bumps, bruises, whatever, whatever um, might come up for you know in in the course of an you know an athlete's or mm-hmm. a member's sort of life cycle with your gym. Um, and so we're going to dive into that conversation. It's not a long one, but it's a good one. Um, but before we did, I wanted to talk to you just a little bit um, about about injury and about sort of what your experience has been um, dealing with injury inside of the gym. Um, so the the first one is really sort of a very broad one, which is um, how often can you expect um, uh, members coming to you and, and saying, you know, I've, I've got an injury and we can, um, one of the things we were talking about before recording is like, well, what's an injury, right? Like yeah, you've got to define right. that. So just over the, you know, over the 10 years of, of CrossFit New England, how many, like how often does that happen where, where a member sits down and says, you know, I've, I did something to my shoulder or my knees messed up or like, is that really frequent or is it, or is it not as frequently as maybe people would assume? Well, it depends on what people are assuming right. and it depends on, again, like, as you said, what's an injury. Yeah. So if you kind of look at the the statistics of this thing, they're all over the place because um, if you look at statistics for um, like, if you define injuries as emergency room visits, well, um, road cycling is the most um, dangerous sport there is. Mm-hmm. It sends by far the most people to the emergency room. But if you determine it as like bumps and bruises, Men's rugby is the most injury thing. If you look at it in terms of um, 
other categories, it's it's wrestling, not WWF, but like right. collegiate wrestling <laughs> yeah. is. So it's really how you define an injury, right? Is it something that takes you away from a game? Is it something that you have to go to the sidelines for? Is it something that you have to um, get medical attention? So it's a good discussion, probably beyond the scope of what we're talking about right now. Um, but for our um, um, purposes, let's kind of define it as something that is um, bothering your body that's going to keep you from performing the movements the way that you normally would. Okay. Okay. So your um, it's not a soreness thing, but it's um, it could be any level of spectrum from like a car accident up into like um, I I ripped a callus on my hands. Right. Um, for our regular members, um, you know my my experience over the last 10, 12 years is that um, throughout the course of a year, um, people could expect, and this is like, it's, it's, it's rare to go through an entire year without something happening. Right. Right. Like um, you're, you're going to um, trip on a weight plate and roll your ankle. You're going to rip a callus in your hands. You're going to overdo something and your um, knees or shoulders are going to get sore. So I think it's um, rare that somebody goes through an entire year without having to modify something along the way because of a quote unquote injury. Mm -hmm. Um, But certainly it's not something that pops up as frequently as every quarter for somebody. Um, As people become, you know, it is a a big part of this is um, hours. You know, one of the ways that they measure injuries is per thousand hours of activity. So if that's the case, it's obviously like our competitors are going to have more injuries because they're spending more hours in the gym. They're going to get through their 1,000 hours in a year where other people are going to take um, a couple years to get 1,000 hours in. So that's another side of it. So you know, for our regular members, it's kind of like the long, the long answer to your short question uh, <laughs> would be I think that um, – you know, if, if you're seeing things more than every six months, like you got to change something. Mm-hmm. Something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. You have a wrong approach. Um, if you don't see something every year, like I think you're doing a pretty good, darn good job. Like right. you should be able to get somewhere around that year mark before something kind of creeps up. And um, the the things that do creep up, uh, it, are there ways to, to sort of mitigate against the chances of them popping in? For, for example, like uh, if we all spent more time mobilizing, would that yeah. solve a lot of the the issues that you see in you know in the gym? Is there something else? Is it like everybody needs to cross over symmetry every day? Uh, you know, is, are there any sort of like if you do this, the chances of injury, whatever those injuries are, other than obviously like scraping your knee on a box and tripping yep. over a barbell? Um, what would you recommend if you really wanted to to do anything you could to to lessen the chances that an injury might occur? Yeah, so um, I think you kind of just like categorize things like by default right there um which is like we call it like a catastrophic injury which yep. is like like immediately like like I, I skinned my shin on a box like i was um doing a lift and a weight fell on my foot like right. that type of thing um versus like more like a an overuse injury which mm-hmm. is what you were kind of alluding at with like yeah. if i did crossover symmetry or mobility here's the the biggest thing that um i would say is if you have limited so i can't just say it's mobility because there's people with great range of motion and great mobility that can still get hurt and vice versa. But here's, if you have limited range of motion and you continue to try and load that end range of motion, um, I think that's a recipe for disaster. Okay. So if you can't 
um, like touch your toe. Like if you can't like get down into a good deadlifting position and you're trying to pull heavy loads off the ground, um, again, if you heavily load it. So if you're picking up a broomstick, if you're picking up a bag of groceries, picking up a pencil, no big deal. You're picking up 315 pounds, it changes the ball game. Um, similar to that is if you, you can't get things overhead. Mm-hmm. So if you can't get a direct line of action from your hand to your shoulder to your uh, um, to your waist to your feet all in one line because you have lunar range motion and your hands have to come out in front of you, but you try and put something really heavy above your head, you necessi- by necessity have to compensate for that through another part of your body. Mostly you'd be your back in that situation. It's going to lead to an injury most likely. Um, so the first thing that pops in my head is if you have limited range of motion, mobility could be an answer to that. Um, the second one is, um, just excessive wear and tear, which is, um, people doing too much volume load and, or intensity, take your pick of those three. Um, frequency could be another one of those, um, on repetitive joints over and over again. So if, you know, if you're doing muscle ups one day, push ups the next day, jerks the next day, pull-ups the next day, bench mm-hmm. the next day. It's mm-hmm. like you're constantly working through that shoulder girl. You're working in a you're, – you're not giving your time to rest and recover. And the chances of that kind of just like wearing down and wearing down and wearing down, kind of like the likelihood goes up. Gotcha. Um, last question before we dive into your chat with Dan is just from, from a sort of an affiliate perspective. I'm really curious how you and your coaches um, – Deal with um, deal with injuries when they crop up within the membership, right? Like, I'm I'm really curious how um, if it's an, if it's a case of uh, every once in a while a, a, a member will come up to one of the coaches and say, "Hey, my shoulder's tweaky," yep. or I'm, "I just got shoulder surgery," like whatever it is. Um, and how like how do you guys go about um, working individually with that athlete? And then how do you guys, as a team, sort of set yourself up to uh, be able to help members know that um, one of the things you guys talk about in the conversation is like. Uh, just because your shoulder's injured doesn't mean you can't squat, right? And so there are ways to yep. to work around uh, a tweak or a whatever. So I'm curious um, how you guys sort of, you know, if you guys have figured out a way to sort of systematize that, if that's the right way, yeah. to sort of uh, attack those things when they show up. Okay. So um, first and foremost, we should um, understand conceptually what it is we're trying to do on a daily basis. We are not a physical therapy rehab facility. So our objective is not to get people um, back from injuries. To do that, they should go to a phenomenal um, physical therapist Mm -hmm. because that's a different skill set than we have. We're performance coaches. We can get people to perform, use that word how you want to, off the couch, compete at the CrossFit Games, somewhere in between. Um, that's our jobs. We can get people to do that better. Now, having said that, we do work with injured athletes and we do um, get them back to full speed. But we also know that that's not our primary mechanism we're trying to do. We believe that through functional movements, it, functional movements are the best recipe for um, for rehabilitation, getting people back. So my suggestion would be if you are going to a physical therapist and they have you doing all sorts of isolation type movements, leg extension, leg curl, or your shoulder. Like we got to get back to eventually functional movement patterns, squat, deadlift, and things like that. That's what the life demands. And you working isolated muscles, meaning just like one joint at a time in a non-functional movement, nothing that's going to replicate in real life is not going to help you when you get on the 
the field of life. Like mm-hmm. when you play your sport or you get back to life. So um, the first thing is recognizing we're not a physical therapy facility, mm-hmm. but we do have a protocol and we do have a way to work through um, athletes back to sp- up to speed. And the first thing we do is we have the same coach coach every class. Right. It, this is going to be a really hard thing for people that constantly are shifting up their coaches with their coaching um, coaching schedule. If you were coaching the 1231 day and working with an injured athlete, and then I was there the next day, and then Morgan came in the next day, and Christine was there the following day, that athlete is never going to kind of like, right. it's going to be a lot longer process and a lot more work. Imagine if every day you went to the doctor, There's you had to brief job. them <laughs> yeah. on what was going on, and yeah. you're trying to come back from this sickness yeah. or whatever it is. That's a tough road to kind of, um, work your way through. So that's our first like systematically mechanistically thing that we do to work with our athletes. And the next is, um, we have, we only have it right now for shoulders, but we have a protocol, a six week shoulder protocol that we have athletes fall through. Some do it well and some don't, but it's essentially, it works them from rest and recovery, which your body needs most of the time, just to get the inflammation down, Mm. but just resting doesn't make it a whole lot better. So this is, what, this is the evil cycle of injuries, what happens. Like runners get injured almost more than any other athletes. I was just looking through injury rates and women's cross country, collegiate and high school, get as injured as the football team. Hmm. It's like runners get chronically injured. But here's what runners do. I'm not picking on runners. I was a runner. Right. Um, but here's the kind of like the evil cycle, the doom loop that they fall into. Okay, work, 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 really good, really good, feeling good, feeling good. Okay, knees starting to hurt. Okay, work a little bit more. Okay, it hurts so much. I need to take time off. Rest and recover. Okay, knee starts to feel better. Knee feels a lot better. I can work again. Work, 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 starting to hurt, starting to hurt. Okay, work a little more. And oh, here it comes again. You know what the problem is? Running. Running <laughs> makes my knee hurt. Yeah. It's not the running, right? That would, it's, it's something's going on. And what they do is while they're resting, recovering, they're not fixing the inherent issue, which is probably some sort of imbalance, some sort of stride, some sort of me- mechanics thing. Maybe you overpronate, maybe you supinate, maybe your stride is too long and you're a heel striker. Maybe you're broken at the waist. Maybe you have a, a tight hip flexor that's causing your leg to kick out to the side. If during that recovery time, you took the time to also fix the movement patterns, mm-hmm. then when you came back to work, 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 now all of a sudden you're not going to get that same repetitive use injury because the mechanisms are fixed. It's kind of like, it's a little bit of like, you know, the functional medicine world. Functional medicine world is like, okay, you're walking around and you know, you you have a pebble in your shoe. You know, this is, this is the analogy that they use in functional Mm -hmm. medicine. You have a pebble in your shoe. What a doctor would say is if like that hurts you is take some Advil, right? And what you do is you take some Advil and it feels better. But what happens when you start walking again? Mm-hmm. It starts hurting again. They haven't fixed right. the root cause. Functional medicine would go, let's take <laughs> your shoe off right. and see why your foot hurts. Mm-hmm. That's the idea behind the injury thing. Instead of just like, let's rest and let's hope it feels better and then we get back to it, let's figure out why it got hurt in the first place. So that's why we do things like crossover symmetry, as you mentioned. Yep. We have a separate protocol for the hips and the, um, the your low back and other things called a hip halo. Both for not like... At square one, that's the starting spot. Mm -hmm. If you have something going on in your knees or your hips or your back, do the hip halo. If you have something going on in your shoulders, your neck or your pec or your elbow, do the crossover symmetry unit. 
here's the bottom line is like, don't wait for those things to happen. Just start yeah. doing those things. Gotcha. But those are built into our, our rehab protocols. Cool. Very cool. Okay, let's dive into your chat with Dan. Cool, let's do it. Um, injuries happen inside the gym. Sometimes yeah. they happen outside the gym. And uh, one thing I was thinking about last week working with some members that had some injuries was um, was just the way you approach them. Mm-hmm. And I love one of the things you said in your book um, about just kind of like the mindset around it. And one of the things you brought up was uh, your conversation with Brent Fakowski at the games, mm-hmm. kind of around his injury and how he approached that. Do you want to touch on that one? Sure. A bit? So yeah, the story um, told is um, Brent Fakowski. For those that don't know him, he's uh, he's been on the podium at the CrossFit Games a couple of years. Um, he actually tied for third this year and lost a tiebreaker. Darn. That's brutal. Yeah. Um, but he's this athlete that um, for a number of years was always on the outside looking in in terms of trying to get to the CrossFit Games. He would be just like miss a qualifying spot by one point or two points and then year after year that would happen. And then all of a sudden he was in Coles Regional, which is why I got to know him. Um, one year, all of a sudden he dominates the regional, like really, really dominates. He was in first place from the first event to the last one. And I saw him afterwards. I was like, Brent, dude, like, what's the difference? Like, how did you come from this kind of like always fighting tooth and nail to being the, like the most dominant athlete here by a long shot? And his answer surprised the hell out of me. He said, this year I got injured. I was like, okay. Like, like, what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. Where's the punchline? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't uh, he's like, I got injured and I, I, I had a really bad hip injury. I think he like tore a labrum in his hip or something like that. So... He used that as an opportunity to work on a weakness he had, which was upper body strength. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he comes back and now he's one of the stronger athletes in something that he would, would always keeping him out of it. And that literally is not only the thing that got him to dominate regionals, but got him on the podium at the CrossFit Games for two years in a row was the fact that he got injured. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people look at injuries. This is kind of like a mindset piece of this whole thing. Yeah. But people look at injuries as major setbacks. I think that they could be one of the greatest opportunities that you have. It certainly was for Brent. You know, there's a lot of people that we could point to that, you know, the reason that they got as good as they did is because they used those opportunities to become so much better mm-hmm. in whatever areas it is. Yeah. So um, we don't need to look at it as like this woe is me moments and like this thing I have to overcome and this thing that it's like, no, like it it might be just exactly what you needed. Exactly. It can be good and you can kind of, Frame it any way you like it, but you can kind of choose. I like that. You How you frame it you, matters a yeah. lot. Everything's framed. Like your book that it's in. Chasing Animals <laughs> by Ben Bergeron. Um, but that's kind of the overarching like mental approach to it. But there's obviously a physical approach to it based on yep. um, your injury and things like that. And depending on what the injury, I guess, every situation is unique. But um, what would you say I come in, I have the hip injury. Yep. Um, I know there's some people who may like take time off completely mm-hmm. or train around it? What is the, what does kind of like the protocol look like okay, when so you're training and working around an It's injury? a big question with a lot of different variabilities to the answer. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not me being coy or vague. Um, what it means is like, how fast do I get back into the gym? How fast do I get back into using that, that muscle? Um, uh, there's a lot to that. So um, with a specific injury, we can give specific protocols, but in generalities, Here's one of the big um, general generalities is, and this isn't a blanket statement, but for a lot of injuries, the new science, and it's pretty conclusive, is if you start to use that joint, muscle, whatever it is, sooner than later, it helps in the long-term recovery. Mm-hmm. So it used to be like, put it in a cast, let it heal, 
Let it all shore up and then we'll come back three months later. We'll take the cast off and then we'll start some PT stuff. Well, they figured out now that it's more about like, so for example, if you have your ACL now, right away, they get you starting to flexion. Like the next day they want yeah. you moving it. It's not put in the cast anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's just an example of like, get it moving, get range of motion back, get blood flow and all that. It's really important. Um, but in terms of training, you're not going to go in and like, I'm not saying come in and start doing squat cleans. Like yeah, that's not yeah. what I'm saying. Like try to like get it to bend one degree and then try to get it the next day to bend two degrees. So there's a protocol in terms of like, there is, I should say, there's a precedent set for trying to reclaim range of motion, get blood flow to speed up recovery. But in terms of getting back into working out, which I think is what your question yep, is. Yeah. Okay. So getting back into working out. Um, you you don't need to take any time off, dot, 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 unless the doctor says like, hey, any movement for this is bad. You need total bed rest. Mm-hmm. But from there, usually movement helps a lot. So want to give me like, you said hip. Okay, so we yeah, have, yeah. So we have a, a hip th- issue. I think there's some different categories. It's kind of like upper body, lower body. Yeah, and injuries. even from that too, it's like, well, did you have to have a, um, a hip labrum surgery or mm-hmm. do you have a little impingement going on with yep. your squat? Yep. So there's different severities to a lot of different things. Um, but let's say um, we're in Brent's situation where we need to give the hip recovery. We don't want to be using the hip. Mm-hmm. Um, and that if that's the case, let's kind of go to the other things that we can do and um, let's continue to train. Now, sometimes what happens is we're coming back from an injury and we can't work out with intensity. And let's also categorize like coming back from an injury. This could be like coming back from an illness. This could be like a pregnancy. This Wisdom tooth surgery. Yeah, you just had your wisdom teeth out. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it might not be like what people are kind of like, it might be as not uh, as micro of like yeah. an, an injury. It's yeah. like there was a setback. Now you're trying to roll yourself back into it. It could be that like, hey, I took, you know, I lived in a sailboat for three months and I didn't get a chance to work out and now I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. Like, Let's just call it coming back yep. into things. Um, Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Two years. Knocking your pants and it sucks to hear. <laughs> you can wrap that whole song yeah. in a different no, podcast. Oh, oh yeah. whoa. Yeah, Tell next, me I'm not, uh, this next, is not, not the place. <laughs> yeah. No, we're going to have a whole one where you're just rapping. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to pick out some yeah. good ones. <laughs> um, okay. So if we're coming back, here's the idea I like to is um, allow yourself. This is kind of like it nice. It's nice to set a benchmark. So people, one of my members, one of the members asked this morning, like how long before I can see like that I'm at the next level, like mm-hmm. big, open, vague question, but it helps to kind of create um, some tangible benchmarks. Give yourself 12, this is going to 12 to 20 workouts. So I can't say you're going to be back at it in two weeks or a month because mm-hmm. that makes no sense. If you come and work out once a week, like why would you be, yeah. you're still. Take you six months. Yes. 12 to 20 workouts to feel like you're totally back to full speed. Mm-hmm. So that could be, you know, um, six weeks, but it could be three weeks. It depends on how frequently you work out. And that's really the way it is. If you wanted to, you know, how long before I can really comfortably play a blues chord on a guitar? Well, it's not like, I think it's gonna take you three months. It's gonna take you, you know, 25 focused training sessions. If you mm-hmm. do that, 25 practices, and you should be able to do at that level. I believe that you should give yourself, don't expect to come back and feel good for the first minimum 10. Like give yourself at least 10 workouts. And then depending on where you were and where you want to get to, um, 
12 to 20 is usually where you start to feel your groove and feel yourself again. Is that kind of like a check the box scenario where you come in and you just get the work done without putting too much like pressure on it? Yes, that's exactly what that does. Don't worry about like, I'm. don't think about PRs. Don't think about working at your max capacity. Don't think about lifting the heavy weights. Don't think about doing RX workouts. Don't think about doing what you did before Mm -hmm. until you have that 10 to 20 in in the bank. Mm -hmm. Now- if you have a um, a shoulder surgery, I'm not saying like you're still in a sling and you're kind of doing modified workouts and after 10 to 20 of those modified workouts, you should expect to be back to normal. I'm saying that once you are fully recovered, mm-hmm. allow yourself those 10 to 20 workouts to get up to full speed. Yeah. I think the shoulder surgery is also a good example of like, Shea, Shea had his shoulder done when coaches Shea. Yep. And uh, he obviously couldn't do anything with his upper body. He's now able to do some one arm stuff and he's moving his surgically repaired arm but um he figured out what he could do and was able to do that and with that so you have an upper body injury obviously you're pretty much limited to um some like light cardio and mostly lower body stuff and i think there is some kind of like worry behind that it's like am i gonna overdo it with the lower half yeah what would be your recommendation on like variety and uh how to keep how to keep it how to keep it like fun and yeah keep the volume in the right Okay. Um, great question. What I would do is um, you can't do the same. So what people have, what happens is when we program our workouts, so to kind of the, uh, pull back the kernel a little bit about how we prevent overuse injuries mm-hmm. is we don't use the same um, movement pattern multiple days in a row. So general movement patterns are lower body pushing, lower body pulling, upper body pushing, upper body pushing. Um, pulling, um, midline, trunk flexion, trunk extension, and um, ankle dominant movements. So to kind of put those in categories, uh, deadlift is a lower body pull. Squat is lower body push. Okay, so mm-hmm. if we're pulling off the ground, you're doing a lower body pull. If you're squatting, you're doing a lower body push. Upper body, if you're bringing your hands, if you're pulling things towards you, that's an upper body pull. If you're pushing things away from you, it's upper body. So pull-ups is obviously upper body pull. Um, push-ups, handstand push-ups, ring dips, um, bench press. Mm-hmm. Those things are upper body pushes. Um, trunk um, kind of flexion stuff is things like um, toes to bar, sit-ups, uh, things of that nature. You can even put some static movements in there like planks or something like that. But using your midline, your core. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ankle dominant things is like running and double unders, box jumps, things like that. You don't want to do the same thing for multiple days in a row. Back to back three days, okay. We're going to try to prevent doing multiple days in a row. Mm-hmm. So the way we can structure that is, let's say you have a shoulder injury. Well, my suggestion would be not to use up all of the lower body in one day. Yeah, Do it more of a lower body pull focus. So that day is going to be um, um, hip extensions, um, um, good mornings, um, and running and the next day we could do something more like um biking and um squats Mm -hmm. then we can that's an okay way to do that so you'd almost treat it like you would like a traditional kind of like bodybuilding like uh yeah so you could do it like like pull this day and press like it's yep for sure the next thing i would do is usually what happens is when people get injured is they're unable to work out at their normal um threshold Mm -hmm. their 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 normal intensity levels So what happens is because intensity levels are down, um, you just can't, uh, so let's say you're in a sling 
you can't work, you can't do Fran like the way you would. Mm. You can't run as fast as you can. You can't bike as fast as you can. You can still do those movements per se, but you can't work, do them as hard. If you can't do it as hard, we want you to extend the volume and the duration. Because if the if the, the workout we call for in the gym, let's say it's Fran. Well, okay, I can't do Fran, so I'm going to do a one-arm ring pull and I'm going to do a one-arm thruster. We're not going to get the same physiological adaptations, mm-hmm. the same intensity levels as we would from kipping pull-ups and barbell thrusters. Yeah. So because of that, you doing a workout that lasts four minutes at a lower intensity doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to have the intensity, let's bring the volume up. So what we'll generally do is have people do minimum of like AMRAP 15s. Everything becomes a... So Heather's an example of this right now. Heather's yeah. in a boot, um, stress fractures from a bunch of years ago. Um her shortest workouts now are 20 minutes. She did this when she was coming back from pregnancies. There's no sense in doing like, um, how many cleans can you do in two minutes mm-hmm. when you can't lift heavy cleans and you can't go fast. Yep. And that's the case. Like that two minutes of low intensity, you're not getting fit. You're not doing anything. Yeah. So let's bring it a little bit. Let's keep the intensity low, bring up but the stretch out the, in, the, the, the stamina and the volume play on it. Yeah. When I was coming back from my wisdom teeth surgery, which is a major operation, very risky. Um, <laughs> they're like you can't do anything super intense for like eight to ten days so yep. i was like all right so i just literally cycle through like three cardio movements for an hour it was like 60 minutes of just like moving this is your chance to do yeah. things a little bit longer a little bit slower yes exactly so if we had our choice and like we if we had the choice we would choose shorter intense over um slow and higher volume mm-hmm but we're taking away the intense so because we're taking the way intense it doesn't make sense to do low intense and shorter volume. Mm-hmm. We need to bring the volume back up. Absolutely. And um, there's obviously some pretty common, uh, some more common injuries than we see than others. Um, I think like shoulder, knee, and maybe lower back are the top three. What would be your advice to someone who maybe has like a chronic injury in one of those? Yeah, great. Or has, um, or has just had it multiple times okay, over? Okay, so let's, take, like, let's take the shoulder for example. Okay, so if someone has, if they're coming in, they're consistently... Um, trying to work around a shoulder. We can certainly do that. We can, you know, okay, we're upper body pulling bother us. Let's stick with, uh, um, or upper body. Um, so pushing overhead, it hurts because of impingement in the shoulder, mm-hmm. but pushups don't hurt. And we could certainly do that for a lifetime. But my th- I would rather fix the issue. Yeah. And we can fix the issue. Then just work around it. Let's stop working around things. So here's my take on this. If you have to work around something for more than three or four consecutive workouts, that's something that is an issue. And we should no longer be working around it. We should be Mm -hmm. fixing it. And the first thing we want you to fix it is it's pissed off. There's inflammation there. We got to let the inflammation calm down. The way we're going to let the inflammation calm down is by not using it at all. Literally, we can continue to work the range of motion by using things like crossover symmetry, we want to work the strength component of it. We want to work the full range of motion. We want to work the movement patterns of the muscles and get blood flow through crossover symmetry or your shoulder rehab prehab protocol. But we're not going to put it through any sort of um, um, loading or compromised positions that might further inflame an already inflamed area. Mm-hmm. So shorter answer is for one week, you don't do any, this literally, stop doing upper body movements in workouts. They don't exist. But before and after your workout, do the shoulder activation protocol from crossover symmetry Mm -hmm. for one week. 
After that, let's bring some shoulder protocol movements back in, but they're only going to be in the safest of movement patterns, which is things like horizontal pulling. So things like ring rows and rowing, bent over rows. That's the only movement we're going to do. Mm-hmm. From there, the next thing we can do is introduce the front rack position, like front squats. That's, so that would be week three is where we introduce the front, squat, mm-hmm. front rack position. We don't introduce any sort of lower body pulling until, so even like deadlifts don't come in until week three. Um, we're just keeping the shoulder as safe as we can and building back in, always doing crossover symmetry along the, the, the line. And we are slowly layering in the movements back in. It would not be until week six that we would bring in very light, strict overhead movements. Mm-hmm. We're going to very slowly build back up the capacity. But here we have six weeks to get you back to full function as opposed to work around it, work around it, work around it. People are like, no, it's just this. Yeah. But they get to like four or five days in and they're still working around it, working around it. When they could just... And that lasts for months. You're just delaying something you're going to have to address at some point. And, anyway. it, and probably exacerbating it, yeah. right? If you have to modify four workouts in a row, let's take the time to just um, essentially bite the bullet and get this thing better. Mm-hmm. And we can make it better. Like most, um, most majority, vast, vast, vast majority of shoulder or other injuries can be treated through non-surgical interventions by just doing the right protocol. And it's as simple as lay off of it. First off, like all the other stuff matters, like how you're sleeping in terms of like, if you're sleeping in a bad position, Mm -hmm. like for nine hours a day and you're compromising the position, that's not gonna help your shoulder. So we gotta figure out the other stuff. But in the gym, stay off of it. Allow the inflammation to go away. Yes, eat the right stuff, sleep the right way and all the other stuff, stress and all that. But in the gym, um, take their necessary protocols. And in a six-week pr- process, we can get you back to full capacity. Mm-hmm. And that's even yeah. even a lot of times if you have like something like a torn labrum or something. that We have had a lot of success with that exact injury. Love it. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.